this thing on? Welcome back to Lexi's Lounge, your home for mind, body, business, and marketing. This no-holds-barred conversation happens every Tuesday with new guest experts, raw conversations, and real tips for lasting change for your mind, body, your business, and your marketing. So grab your cocktail and let's dive in. Lee, welcome to Lexi's Lounge. What are you drinking today? Yes. So I just finished up a cup of tea. My very favorite. It's a honey chai turmeric tea. Really good. I'm working on a sore throat. So that's my go-to. And now I have moved on to sparkling water, which is, I I love sparkling water. I'm addicted to it. That sparkling water probably helps a lot with a sore throat too. I think so. And also I don't drink soda anymore. I cut soda out probably about like 10 years ago. And so the fizziness of the sparkling water still gives me that soda feel without the actual soda. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. I I never really liked sparkling water until my doctor told me that Pellegrino, that sparkling, just like you think there should be a flavor in there, but there's not, it's just fizzy water has good minerals for you, for people like me who have hormone imbalances. So Yes. It's so good for you. I got really into it when my husband was stationed overseas in Germany. Our family was there for four years. And actually we lived about 45 minutes from Gerolstein, which is where Gerolsteiner sparkling water is sourced. And so we just got really into it while we were over there. You had the best of the best. You were like right at the source. (laughs) So Lee, before we dive into this conversation, who are you? What do you do? Who do you serve? Yes. So I am Lisha McDonough. I am the founder of Coach with Clarity, which is a training and education company for innovative, intuitive life and business coaches. So while I still work with a few clients one-on-one because I love one-on-one coaching and I always will, really the, the focus of my work is on providing training and education that's accredited by the International Coaching Federation so that people who want to become coaches or who have an ICF credential that they want to maintain, they can do that through the programs over at Coach with Clarity. Oh, okay. So, so when you say co- like the ICF coaching accreditation, what kind of coaching is this? Life coaching, business, marketing coaching? Yes. So in my programs, I teach coaching fundamentals that are broadly applicable. So no matter what type of coaching you're doing, we really want to make sure that you're equipped with the basics so that you know how to establish a client relationship, create the structure and the container for the work that you're going to do. So while what I teach is pretty much generally applicable across the board, I find I tend to work more with coaches that are interested in relationship coaching, small business coaching, life coaching, and health coaching. So I've worked with corporate and executive coaches, but I think my sweet spot is really kind of with the smaller, more boutique coaching businesses. Yeah. Well, I like that you are more of a generalist in that sense, because if you think about it, everything ties in together. Like when you're talking about relationships, relationships as a small business is a fundamental to your brand. It's a fundamental to you having a paycheck. So I love that you're like, I- I'll just help whoever needs help, but then you ha- you have a certain type of person that comes. So that's awesome. So one of the things that we kind of talked about for context before this podcast episode, <laughs> my internet just shot down. So we were like in the middle of recording it and then it just went down. So we restarted, which was great because Lee's amazing. She's a professional. <laughs> but one of the things we talked about is the three M's. She has the three M's that is really her principles for her coaching business. So can you talk to us about what those three M's are? Absolutely. I would love to. So the three M's stand for meaning, mindset, and mindfulness. So what inspired me to create this framework around the three M's 
is really my training in a therapeutic modality called acceptance and commitment therapy. So before I became a coach, before I became a coach trainer, I was a therapist for about 15 years, working primarily with individuals and families, lots of whom were in the military or who were veterans because my husband was in the Air Force at the time. So that was kind of our community. And I was trained in acceptance and commitment therapy or ACT for short. I love ACT. I think it is broadly applicable, not just in the therapy room, but really to anyone who is looking to live a more fulfilling life and who wants to make sure the actions that they're taking are fully aligned with what matters most to them. So I took the principles of ACT and I reshaped them for use in more of a small business or entrepreneurial setting. And although I love ACT, I will say, as with a lot of therapeutic approaches, there is a lot of jargon, a lot of psychological speak. And so I really wanted to translate it and make it more just easier to understand and to apply. And so that's where the three M's come in. The three M's are my take on some core ACT principles. So when we're talking about meaning, we're looking at getting connected with your values and what you stand for. When we're talking about mindset, we're looking at our internal landscape, our inner experiences. And then with mindset, we're looking how we show up in the present moment. So out of those three M's, out of all the clients that you've worked with, which M seems, seems to make the most impact on your clients? Like the impact that's like, my life just completely changed. Ooh, I have never been asked that question before. I love it. I would say probably that second M of mindset, which is really interesting because mindset has gotten a ton of attention in the last five to 10 years, especially in the entrepreneurial space. But I think the way I approach mindset might be a little different than what people are accustomed to. Up here. Um, because we hear, yes. All right. So we hear mindset. We think, we hear, we think about thoughts, like what we're thinking, how we talk to ourselves, what we believe. And that is an important component of mindset, but I actually like to take a broader perspective. I really look at mindset as how we relate to our internal experiences. So those could be thoughts. It could also be emotions, sensations, memories, feelings. So the way in which we connect with and relate to those inner private experiences, that really encapsulates what mindset work is all about. And so it means coming to terms with our thoughts, our feelings, our memories, our sensations, and learning how to work with them instead of sometimes allowing them to keep us stuck or keep us from really fully stepping into our potential. Wow. I mean, that's, that's huge. Just with what you said about how essentially like having a better relationship with your mindset and your thoughts and all the things that are happening internally or have happened to you that you have internalized? Am I off base right there? No, you you are spot on. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to tell you a little, little example or give you a little example of this. Right. You're obviously a trained therapist, <laughs> but I did not know until two years ago that the thoughts that ran through my mind were not my truth. Like I thought that because I was telling myself that I'm a bad person that I, I thought that I was a bad person because my thoughts. Yes. Yes. And isn't it like, you know, mind blowing when we realize, wow, just because my mind tells me something doesn't necessarily make it true. And that's something that we explore with that second M with mindset, because what we tend to do as human beings is when we have a thought, we fuse with it. And in fact, the psychological term is cognitive fusion. Our thought fuses with our identity. So what we think becomes who we are. 
But as you know, that can be really dangerous when your mind is churning out stuff like, who do you think you are? You're not as good as them. Who would pay to work with you? All of these things that can be really damaging. And so what we need to do then is learn how to defuse or create space between the thought and our self-concept and our identity. Likewise, with emotions, we tend to do the opposite thing. When we have an uncomfortable emotion, we tend to try to avoid it. Either we don't, we, we don't address it, we numb out, we do things to run away from the feeling instead of allowing that uncomfortable, unwanted feeling to be present. So with our thoughts, often we need to create space. And with our emotions, often we need to get a little more comfortable with experiencing them. Okay, so let's let's do it like a, a just a quick little real life simulation. Yes. Here. So if let's say you wake up, check your bank account and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I have no money whatsoever." Then the thoughts start going in your head like, "I'm never going to make money. I'm going to be broke forever. I'm going to have to sell my house. I'm going to have, you know, like all of these like crazy thoughts." But then the emotion of that is very heavy. Like there's tears, there's anxiety, there's like tightness in your chest. So I, I know from my experience in the past, like when I have gotten that feeling, I've been like, okay, I'm just going to have a cocktail to get through the day. That's the numbing of it. That's the escapism of it. But what in that situation, when you have a really strong, like, oh my gosh, feeling, what's the best thing that you would advise somebody to do? Yes. And this is assuming, and I, I do want to, to say this, that there are feelings that, well, really feelings are safe to have. Okay. Amen. We can create space for our feelings. Yes. That being said, sometimes they're incredibly uncomfortable. And when our thoughts and feelings are really impacting our ability to just get day-to-day -day things done, when we're not able to do those, that's where we start crossing into territory where it would be helpful to work with a therapist. Mm -hmm. Certainly, if there's any sort of past trauma or anything that's just really inhibiting you from just getting through the day, then we might want to involve a therapist in this work. But if this is what you just described, a normal response to a stressful situation, that's where we can use some self-coaching techniques. So it starts with acknowledging that we are having these thoughts and we are having these emotions. They are uncomfortable. And the reason they're uncomfortable is because our mind is trying to keep us safe. Everything that our mind is doing, everything, you know, in our, in our internal experience is designed to keep us safe and secure. So when we see a negative number in our checking account, we have that response of, oh, I'm not okay, I'm not safe. And so our mind is designed to get us back on track. And so unfortunately, though, what it sometimes resorts to is scaring us or bullying us into taking action. That's where all of those negative thoughts, well, I say negative, really unhelpful thoughts and emotions come from. It's a normal response to a stressful situation and we need to pull ourselves out of it. But often what we do is we go too fast. We, we rush into taking action or we decide it's not okay for me to feel these feelings and so I'm going to numb out. When the first thing we need to do is just pause, acknowledge what's happening in the moment, normalize the thoughts and emotions that we're having, and then decide, okay, where do I want to go from here? Are these thoughts serving me? Are any of these thoughts useful? Should I be paying attention to any of them? What might these emotions be pointing towards? Where should I be directing my attention? And then from that place of intentionality, then we can take action. And that's where the first M actually comes in. Because when we're talking about meaning, 
We're talking about knowing what matters most to us, knowing what our values are, and making sure that whatever actions we take are fully aligned with our core values. So sometimes when we're in that panic state, we take actions to get us out of that state quickly. Those actions may or may not be aligned with our values. So it's really helpful to slow things down, check in with ourselves, and then make sure whatever steps we're taking next really represent who we are and what we stand for. Yeah. I'm glad you answered the question of like, why are feelings uncomfortable? Because I wrote that down. I was like, okay, from a therapist standpoint, why are feelings uncomfortable? But it's so, it's true that your body and your mind is trying to keep you safe from things that are like not safe. I mean, a perceived, a perceived threat, right? Yes. And, and I think that's a good point, actually, because there are real threats that we face from time to time. And in those cases, our mind, our emotions, our intuition, they are serving us by saying, hold up, you need to stop. This is not safe. But there are other times where our, our lizard brain takes over and we are afraid that if we are not part of the pack, if we're not part of the community, then we're not going to be safe. We want to be a part of the herd because when we're part of the herd, we have that protection. And that's why it's so hard sometimes for people to speak their truth, to put themselves out there, whether it's, you know, in your business, even making like social media videos, making a reel, making a TikTok, it can feel really scary to put yourself out there. And it is because anytime we build our visibility, we build our vulnerability as Ooh. well. Ooh, yes. and right so, there. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. And the mind does not like that. And so it's going to generate all sorts of messages to bring us back into the fold. And so that's where we need to stop and ask ourselves, what do I need right now? Do I need to be safe? Do I need to be secure? Or is it safe for me to step outside, to put myself out there? What is going to really serve me right now? My gosh. I mean, you just mic dropped. Hello. Anytime (laughs) you're building visibility, you're also building your vulnerability. I mean, that is so powerful right there. I mean, I think about imposter syndrome and how many people are watching the online business owner world start blowing up realistically, like with the great resignation, with the pandemic, everyone's staying home. They're like, okay, well now influencer marketing and being an influencer isn't so far-fetched. Like people aren't really making fun of influencers anymore, but people who want to do that, I feel like sometimes are just sitting there so afraid of what would happen if they made a silly reel or a goofy reel or educational. And like, it's one thing to take a picture of yourself and put it on Instagram, for example, but it's another thing to take a video of yourself. Like you're moving, you're talking, your mannerisms, the way your mouth moves. Like you're like, oh my God, that angle was not, there's a lot more movement. I I don't know if that's the right Mm -hmm. word, but there's a lot more to like intake when you're doing video, but I feel like what you were talking about is kind of the stem of imposter syndrome. Is that, is that far-fetched? Hey, don't mean to interrupt. It's going to be really quick, but we have a message from our sponsors. By the way, hope you love what you're hearing so far. Now from our sponsor. Hey, it's Alexi McKinley. I'm your host of this podcast and also the sponsor of this podcast because I own Upwest Social and PR. For all my business owners out there, are you looking to grow your brand expand your reach, become the number one top trusted source in your industry, and continually have a funnel of new clients to work with? If you said yes to any of these questions, it's time you join the Be Your Own Publicist program, or as I like to call it, BYOP. This is an eight-week hybrid program where you will learn the ins and outs of doing your own PR, essentially becoming your own publicist. For more information or to join, hit the link in the show notes below. 
Now back to our scheduled programming. No, you, you are, you've hit the nail on the head. And I think part of that really comes from a fear of being judged by others. Because of course, when we're judged, that threatens our acceptance in the pack, puts us on the outside. And I literally was having a conversation about that this morning with one of my clients. And so we were talking about how judgment, if and when it can help you, if and when it can serve you, and then the times where maybe it actually gets in your way. And one of the things we talked about this morning was how we each can have our own internal board of directors. So you are the chairperson of your life. You retain control. You invite people to be on your board of directors. And those are the people whose opinions matter to you. Those are the people whose judgments may actually have some influence or bearing on the decisions that you make. And you get to decide who's on that board. And it can be people you know, it can be people you aspire to be like, but you need to decide whose opinion matters, who gets to sit on your board. And a lot of times we make decisions based on what will other people think? What if I get negative comments on this post? What if someone trolls me? And I don't mean to minimize that because it's really painful when that's happened. I've had it happen mm -hmm. and it was not fun. Yeah. And those messages were coming from people I didn't know or who were not my ideal client. And really, I didn't need to spend a lot of time and energy trying to convince or convert them because they weren't my people. So that's the other thing to think about as well is whose judgment are we prioritizing? and and are we allowing that to pull us away from our mission and from our purpose? Okay. Speaking on this, why mm -hmm. do we let, from a therapist's brain, why do we let other people's opinions matter to us so much? I used to be a people pleaser, like really bad, really bad. Like I let the the what ifs uh, like scenarios, like kind of drive my actions in the past. And I honor that version of myself, but I'm like, why? Why? Why was that like that? Yeah, I I am a recovering people pleaser as well. So I, I feel this deeply. And I think I want to say there's there's many different reasons. And there's also many different perspectives we could use when looking at this. We could look at attachment theory. Mm -hmm. And do we feel safe when we're around other people? Or do we feel like we have to perform or give in order to be worthy of their love and attention? There's all sorts of factors at play. But ultimately, I think it comes down to wanting to be safe in the world. And so when we are accepted by others, we know there are people we can turn to when we need help or if there's crisis. Again, it goes back to this idea of we don't want to be on the outskirts of the herd because it's the people or the, the animals, if you will, on the outskirts that get picked off by the predators. We want to be on the inside. We want to be safe and surrounded by people. And so when we are judged harshly or when we are excluded, that is emotionally painful and it threatens that survival instinct that we have. And so our initial reaction is to do whatever we need to do to regain safety. Mm. But we have to pause because that survival instinct comes up immediately. Sometimes we need that. Sometimes it's necessary. But sometimes we need to kind of slow things down and really ask ourselves, is this a true threat? Like, is my basic survival really being threatened here? Um, if it is, you know, if this job loss or losing a loved one or something, there are serious things that happen where our survival instinct is there to serve us. Mm -hmm. But usually when we're scrolling through Facebook and we're worried about, you know, an, an internet troll, that's not typically a, a serious threat to our survival. 
but we still process it as one. Oh. We don't make, we don't differentiate. Oh. Our lizard brain doesn't. Yeah. So then our higher brain needs to come in and help us make sense of it. So what are the two different types of brains that we have as humans? (laughs) I think we might have more than more than two, but I find it really helpful to think about that instinctual self-preservation oriented part of our brain where the priority is safety at all costs. That part of our brain is what has allowed us to survive as a species for as long as we have. So that part of the brain is very valuable, but it is not evolved to the same way as the other parts of our brain have, those that can you know, manage critical thinking. And so because it's not as evolved, because it hasn't developed as much, it sees everything as either safe or a threat. It's, it's very binary, black or white. There's very little room for gray or nuance. Whereas when our higher brain comes in, that has that critical thinking, that analysis, it can slow things down and really evaluate whether or not something is a true threat. So our, our, that lizard brain, that instinctive brain shows up fast and sometimes can really take over if we don't slow down and allow our higher brain to, to help us judge the situation. So if we get a text from somebody and that's mm-hmm. just like, you mm-hmm. know, one of those texts you open and then you're immediately triggered, you're like, mm. yes. How long should you wait to respond? <laughs> <laughs> that is a really good question. I think also, it depends who's sending it, what's the purpose, and do you even need to respond? Ooh. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, because you might not. Mm-hmm. But I would say the length of time it takes you to take a breath, reset, and reconnect with those values, that first M, meaning, mm-hmm. because it's really easy to shoot off a text in response, and it might feel good in the moment, probably feels great in the moment, actually, but then down the road, we may look at it and go, you know, that really does not represent who I want to be. This is not who I am. And then we have to process the guilt that might come with taking an action that's not aligned with what matters most to us. Yes. We can all say we've been there at some point, right? Can I get an amen? 100%. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) So, So let's move into that third M, the mindfulness, correct? Correct. So where does that really play a role in creating a business that's successful and fulfilling in business? I already said that. Where does that come in? (laughs) So this one I think can be in some ways the trickiest of all three, in part because there are a lot of connotations around what mindfulness is. And I think a lot of people hear mindfulness, they think meditation, they think blissing out, which that is great. And I am a huge fan of meditation. And if that is your path, go for it. But mindfulness, really, it's just asking us to connect with ourselves in the present moment from a place of objectivity and non-judgment. And that is the tricky part. Mm -hmm. Objectivity, non-judgment, just allowing things to come to be and to pass. And so where I think mindfulness can really serve us as entrepreneurs is it allows us to connect very deeply to the present moment. And so right now in this moment, I am connected to you and our conversation, and you have my full attention. And that is a mindfulness practice. Mm -hmm. It also means that when I'm working in or working on my business, I am fully attending to what is happening right in front of me. I'm not getting pulled into the past and getting overwhelmed by feelings of regret or guilt. I'm also not getting pulled into the future and the anxiety that can come from the constant what if and what about and how do I handle? No, mindfulness allows us to stay in the present moment. And it does allow us to, of course, plan for the future. 
and learn from the past. It's not that we have to completely ignore those, Mm -hmm. but we're very conscious of how it is affecting our present moment and whether we're looking at those past and future issues from that place of non-judgment and from that place of objectivity. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like that, that's really is the hardest one because I think in, in my experience, the first thing you have to have is that awareness that you're even like mm-hmm. living in a different in the past or the future. You're not being in this moment. Like I remember Lee sitting here and replaying scenarios in my head from years ago, <laughs> years ago. Yeah. And I'm like sitting here thinking about like, you know, like getting remad, like, oh, I, I should have said I should have done, you know, but it, is that just human nature? Is that how we're wired? I believe it is. And again, this is our brain trying to protect us trying to serve us, reminding us of all the things that we did wrong or we did poorly so that we don't do it again. And so one of the techniques that I use and that I teach my clients is literally to thank your mind. This is a classic act technique. So it's not one that I invented, but it's one that I kind of modify with my own clients so that when we catch our minds taking us into the past, replaying those events, when we notice the guilt or even the shame come up, We notice that in the moment, so that's that mindfulness piece. We pause and we recognize what our mind is generating. That's the mindset piece. And we acknowledge that the mind is doing this because it thinks it's helping. I really am going to give the mind the benefit of the doubt here that it wants us to be safe and happy. And this is one way it can do that because it can make sure we never, ever do that again. And so we thank the mind for being the safety monitor it is. And then we release it from its task. We don't need the mind to do that for us right now because it's taking us away from what matters most. There's that first M. So once we have brought ourselves into the present moment, acknowledged the mind at work, thanked it, released it, then we can get back to living a life that is fully aligned with our values. Mm. And is that what some people call embodiment? Like stepping into that, like living in the this is who I want to become. So this is how I'm going to act in this moment. I'm going to, if I want better posture, I'm going to mindfully put my shoulders back, stand up straight, you know, straighten out my, my spine. Is that, is that kind of, does that tie into the three M's? I love that you have made that connection. I think, I think we're really looking at part of the process of embodiment. And of course, baked into the word is body. So we really need to be aware of the somatic experience that comes with embodiment as well. So it's not just what am I doing, but how is it feeling in my body? And so when I'm working with my clients and my students around intuition, tapping into their intuition and allowing their intuition to be a tool they use as a coach, a lot of that is connected to embodiment. What are you noticing in your body? What is your body telling you? When you have this thought, where do you locate it or feel it in your body, we can really use the body as almost like a compass that can direct us into actions that feel aligned and feel good versus actions that don't. And so I think that works beautifully with the three M's. So I love that you brought embodiment kind of into this process as well. Yeah, it's, it's something that I learned last year, what embodiment was. And I went to a mastermind retreat and at the mastermind retreat, one of the girls that was there, she did this embodiment exercise and like literally like it was a visualization, kind of a meditation and then like step into them. And it was insane how everybody just like, I can't even explain what it looked like. They look like a different person, not in them like a bad or a good way. It just was, but it was like, 
wow, like it, it really showcased how powerful our minds are. That sounds like an extraordinary experience. And, and you're right. I mean, it is incredible how much power we allow our thoughts and our emotions to have over us versus with us. Again, it's not that the thoughts and emotions, they're not our enemy. They're a part of us. So what does it look like to join with them rather than allow them to run rampant? And I think that is really where the three M's and embodiment, all of this comes into play because that it's all about empowerment. And it's all about ensuring that we do have a sense of agency over the decisions we make, the actions we take and the, the choices we make in our lives. Wow. You completely just have shared so much value, like just mind blown by the value you've shared, like how these three M's really do tie into everything. If you want to coach people, because you're really going, I feel like you go really for the holistic aspect of it. Like, I, I think what we need to realize is as humans, as business owners, as people who are helping others, like, it's just like when you're on the airplane and they say you have to put your oxygen mask on first before you help other people. And I think a lot of times in business, we get so caught up in like, okay, what can I do next? How can I help more? How can I make this better and bigger and greater? And we don't stop to go inside and, you know, handle our triggers to process our emotions, to really check in with ourselves and be like, does this feel good? Does this feel great? I feel like a lot of us just live in autopilot, roll with the punches and just survive. Yes, you're right. And I mean, life is meant to be more than just survive, really. And so how can we do that? Well, we can do that through creating relationships like we talked about earlier. And that starts with the relationship with ourselves. And so when we do go within and we create space for all of our experiences and we connect with our, our purpose, our values, what really matters, then all of that is expressed through the work that we do and the actions we take. And to me, that is, that is the prescription for a fulfilling life. And that's how I try to live my life. Some days are better than others. You know, I mean, it is a process. We are human. But again, with the three M's as my guide, I just feel like, okay, I, I, I know where I'm headed. I know how I want to show up in my business and in my life. And I know how to course correct if I get a little bit off track. Yeah, I really, I enjoy that you said the whole part about the grace. You, you're give, you have to give yourself grace. I, I truly don't feel like as humans that we're ever going to get to a point where we're like, oh, I've made it. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I've done it. And then you have something that triggers you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the whole idea of self-actualization is beautiful and a wonderful thing to work towards. But yeah, I don't think as humans, we're designed to get to the pinnacle. I mean, we're always growing and evolving because if we're not growing and evolving, then we're static and then we die. You know, that's not what we want either. Oh. So we need to have these experiences in order to continue to grow. So much sympathy and empathy for the people who have been static for a long time. And then now they're listening to yes. this podcast, like, oh my gosh, I, I feel empowered to make a move. So Lee, what would you say to those people who are listening to this? And they're like, I have been stuck in one place for too long. What you're saying really has resonated with me. And I really want to make a change. Where can they start? Yes. Number one, I would say forgiveness. And I know that's a big word, a loaded word, mm -hmm. but in this context, I mean, forgiving yourself for any judgments you've made against yourself or any guilt that you may be harboring. Yes, perhaps you've been stuck, but now you are at a point where you're ready to make a change. So to meet yourself with that forgiveness, with compassion and with grace is really the first step. Then I would say the second step is to think about 
what it is that matters most to you. What do you want to be known for? What do you want your legacy to be? And I don't necessarily mean in terms of, I want to build an eight figure business. I'm talking, how do you want people to describe you when you're gone? What words do you want them to use? You know, let's really get to the core of what matters most to you and what you want to be known for. Because once you're clear on that, from that point, we can start talking about, all right, so how do you want to make that manifest in the world? What does that look like? How will I know through your actions that this is what matters most to you? Wow. I mean, that you just tied in the whole like, okay, you can say you want to be one way, but then how are you going to essentially, I don't know, I'm not going to say prove it, but like, what actions are you going to do that prove that this is the person that you say you are? I think mm -hmm. a lot of times people don't, they, they talk a big game and then their actions are completely different. Question, where does that come from? Oh my goodness. We could have a whole nother podcast episode on that. <laughs> I mean, if we, if we want to really go there, I think when we look at the structures and systems that support our world right now, whether we're looking at capitalism, patriarchy, I think all of that comes into play, to be quite honest with you, where we are encouraged to win at all costs, to make the most money and to collect all of the goods and really look out for ourselves and not everyone around us. And so that generates scarcity. It generates fear. And it comes from this place of, I'm not safe. And so I need to make sure I get everything I need in order to be safe. And so that really plays into all of this. So that's wow. why I also don't want people to be too hard on themselves if they find themselves falling into this trap of, yeah. of wanting more, of guilt, of striving and feeling disconnected from their own values. We're kind of set up to do that. And mm -hmm. so that's why compassion, grace, and forgiveness are so important because then, you know, once you know what you want, then you can go after it. Then you can do better. Yeah. I honestly, like this conversation just filled my spirit so much. I mean, you, you just really laid it all out there. I feel like people listening to this, like are going to walk away with so much to think about if the very minimum I've never done this before, but I'm interested. What is your favorite quote? Like what's the quote you live by? There are a couple, you know, one thing that I, find great comfort in is by the poet Rilke, who says, no feeling is final. And actually that's part of an extended quote, but the idea that no feeling is final means that no matter how uncomfortable or difficult it is, it is transient. We're going to get through it. And that it's funny that that's one of them. Cause the other one is, oh, the experience of this sweet life. I think that's Dante, but just the idea that life really is sweet. There are things to savor and enjoy when we give ourselves permission to do that. And so, yeah, I think, I think it's those two that really stand out for me. No feeling is final. Oh, the experience of this sweet life. That's so comforting though. No feelings final. I yeah. mean, no matter how bad it is right in this moment, 10 minutes from now, something can change for you. Yeah. Mine is be the change you want to see. That, yes. I don't know who said that one, but I've gone through so many seasons in life where I'm like, well, they need to do this or they need to do that, you know, in order for me to be a certain way. And I'm like, why don't, I be the change I want to see. If I don't want people to be rude to me, like, why don't I just be kind to them? And then like, that's on them, not me. So that, that's been life-changing. But that quote, no feeling is final. I'm like, shoot, I'm, I'm going to put that in my little list of quotes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that resonates with you. Oh, totally. I feel like this came at a moment where, I mean, it delivered for me too. Like, 
I'm so happy that we got on this podcast today. You have given me so much. So I know that you are giving my listeners so much as well. Do you have any final one piece of advice for them? One takeaway that they can leave this episode with? You know, I think really all we've talked about today comes down to relationships. And when we center relationships, our relationship with ourselves with our friends, family, colleagues, clients, when we center the relationship and when we look to take care of others while also ensuring that we're protecting our boundaries and taking care of ourselves, I think that's really where we develop those deeper connections, where we have a greater impact and where we get to live out our values the way that feels good. So I would just say like, let's really focus on relationships and connection. I, I think that's at the heart of, of doing really good work in the world. Yeah, no burning bridges. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lee, where can people find you and how can they work with you? Yes, so please come find me over at my website, coachwithclarity.com. That's where you can learn more about my podcast, the Coach With Clarity podcast and the different programs and services I offer. And if you're really interested in the three M's, if that has intrigued you, head to coachwithclarity.com slash get the book. And that will route you to my book, Act on Your Business, Braving the Storms of Entrepreneurship and Creating Success Through Meaning, Mindset, and Mindfulness. It's an even deeper dive into the 3M. So I think you'll love it. Oh, for sure. I'm going to head over there right now. But if you're listening to this, well, obviously you're listening to this down in the show notes below, I'll have that all linked down there. So thank you, Lee, so much for joining me today. You have brought immense value. I could not be more thankful that you were on this podcast today. And I cannot wait to hear what our listeners think of this. I have so enjoyed this. Hey, thank you so much for being here and hanging out with us in the lounge today. Don't forget to share some love in the reviews, connect with us on social media and subscribe so you never miss a beat. And can you do me one last favor? Send me a DM on Instagram so I can say, hey, I would love to get to know you more. Until next Tuesday, we'll see you then.